What's up, guys? Welcome to Triple Thread Talks. I'm Chris. This is my co-host, Jen. And tonight we're going to be talking about the University of Idaho murders. This entire thing is just completely insane. The whole storyline from where it starts to where it has not yet ended, actually. Mm-hmm. There's so many conspiracies, so many thoughts, so much confusion. I think we should just dive in deep to all of it and try to clear as much as we can up for everybody that's listening. I know I've been super confused. Mm-hmm. Everyone on Reddit, I've read it's been like a huge source of information for me. They're confused. TikTok is confused. We're it's all just, confused. There, This is such a loaded case and they're, and they're mm-hmm. so tight-lipped about it. So we're getting bits and pieces everywhere, but it's it's a lot. The police are tight-lipped. The parents have and uh, siblings or, you know, people around them have been having so many interviews done. I know I had just told you that I know somebody that went to the University of Idaho and they posted something about it on Facebook and people under it commented because, of course, they have mutual friends and they were saying there are film crews that are just setting up every single day outside of the house. And at one point you want to say, when are we going to respect the privacy? But on the other hand, we all want to know. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why if you're listening to this podcast, we just want to know what's going on. I think we all just want to help this case. Internet sleuth or not, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. You know, the public always wants to know. I hadn't oh. even thought about that. I've got lots of family in Boise and I haven't even contacted them about it. And I'm pretty sure at least one of my cousins went to University of Idaho. So wow. I reached out to them. Yeah, For they sure. still live there in Boise right now. But um, yeah, so I guess we can start by mm-hmm. going down the line and maybe talking about the timeline of events. For sure. Mm-hmm. So as we know, we have four victims, 21-year-old Kaylee Goncalves, 21-year-old Madison Mogan, 20-year-old Zana Kernodal, and 20-year-old Ethan Chapin. And oh, they were murdered babies. on November 12th. I know babies, literal babies. I yeah. can't. Taken way, way, way too soon. And mm-hmm. what was what was behind this? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like there was it was like premeditated in a sort of way and that's what I feel at least that's what it seems like one minute and then the next minute something new comes out that just it totally contradicts everything that you know that's what's Mm -hmm. so frustrating about this case I think Probably the best thing we could do, at least for right now, is go through what we know as far as the timeline of events, and then we will get into some of the little extras that have been sprinkled in by mostly by the family members, um, and even some blind items by people who are on campus or who were there that night or saw the girls that night or saw Zana and Ethan that night. So in the off-campus house, there were uh, five roommates in the house. It's reported that there is a sixth person on the lease, but we do not know who that person is, and they were not in the home at the time of the murders. The people in the house were Kaylee, Madison, Zana, and then the two surviving roommates, B.F. and D.M. 
On November 12th, Kaylee and Madison, who are two childhood best friends, they went to the Corner Club bar from 10 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. At this time, Ethan and Dana were across the street from the home at Sigma Chai, which I believe is a frat house, and they right. were at a party. At around 1.40 a.m., the two girls, Kaylee and Madison, are seen at the grub truck getting some food before they go home. Uh, there is surveillance footage of them at the grub truck. They get their food. And they catch a private ride home. I don't know if it's a ride share or if it was a friend of theirs. There's been very conflicting statements on how they got home, but right. private ride, that's what we'll say. Uh, it looks like they got home somewhere between 145 and 150. And it just so happens Ethan and Zana got home around the same time as well. It's been speculated that Ethan and Zana were actually home before Kaylee and Madison were, but they all arrived home around the same time. All we know after they arrived home, all four of them, that there were nine phone calls made to a JD who we now know is Kaylee's longtime on again, off again boyfriend. These phone right. calls were made by Kaylee and Madison. Kaylee called him six times and Madison called him three times uh, from 2.26 a.m. to the final call being made at 2.52 a.m. Wow. Police speculate that these murders took place between 3 and 4 a.m. So these calls were made to J.D. just moments before they were attacked. So a few hours later, well, several hours later, the two surviving roommates, they wake up. All we know is that they maybe found one of the roommates. We're not sure which of the four. And they deemed them to be unconscious or just not waking up. They notified some of their friends to come over and help wake them up. And eventually a 911 phone call was made a little after 11 a.m. on November 13th that someone in the house was unconscious and they couldn't get them to wake up. Police arrived at the scene and that is where they found the slain bodies of Ethan, Zana, Kaylee, and Madison on the second and third floors of the house. There's so many conflicting stories. People are saying that the roommates came out of the house, one of them passed out, and a bystander called and yep. reported someone unconscious. Or was it Ethan? Because we now know Ethan was found in the living like area kind of like the living room area. I've heard mm -hmm. I've heard conflicting statements on this as well. All I think we know is he was not found in the bed. What? Kaylee and Madison, we know from the parents now, they were sleeping in the same bed. They were right. on the third floor. They were both found slain in that bed. Ethan appears to have been found outside of his bedroom. Well, Zana's bedroom. He was staying the night with Zana, his girlfriend. And then Zana was found... It looks like maybe potentially between the bedroom and the hallway with several mm -hmm. defensive wounds. And they haven't really confirmed where she was found, but I have heard reports that um, they potentially found her DNA in the hallway outside of the bedroom. You know, the, the police are coming in and trying to preserve everything as perfectly as possible. They're going to find out who was involved in the actual steps to murdering these individuals that well, it's going to be hard to do because mm -hmm. when you have four people murdered and we're presuming that it was one person who murdered them all 
Right. You're going to have a mixture of DNA. I'm sure right. you're going to have all four of them. Their blood is going to be everywhere. Yep. Because, you know, they said that these police officers said that this was the most brutal, gruesome, blood-filled murder house that they had ever seen. I really do want to say that the last homicide that this city has seen was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. So for seven years to go by and then it's something like this, it just seems so targeted. Yeah, the, a lot of the other students who live there have stated that it's a very safe campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Off campus is also very safe. It's not you know, abnormal to have students walking all hours of the night. And it wasn't abnormal for them to leave their car doors and the doors to their homes unlocked. They never had any issues. Right. You know, so that also raised speculation too. How how did they get in? Because there didn't appear to be any forced entry at any point. So that makes me question, well, maybe the door wasn't locked. Maybe they right. walked right in. Well, maybe they said, I'll leave the door unlocked for you. You leave it unlocked for me. Mm-hmm. They both got home at the same time. So the four mm-hmm. of them, but the two groupings, they walked in like, are they home or not? I'll right. leave it open. Well, that and they were all drunk. They were all partying. They could have come home and just not even thought about it. A lot of people are like, how would the roommates not hear? And I watched and listened to some interviews about people that have previously lived in that complex, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. And they said, you can't hear anything from this floor to that floor. That's how the construction was. And people are like, how? They were in the basement, too. It was reported that their rooms were in, like, the basement area of the house. Especially if you're intoxicated Mm -hmm. and coming home drunk, passing out, and then... Well, and that's there's a lot of unknowns with the two surviving roommates. Rightfully so, their privacy deserves to be protected. Mm -hmm. They just went through something horribly traumatic. I'm sure they have survivor's guilt. I'm sure that they are traumatized and scared and confused. But, you know... There were some people, and this was probably false information, honestly, because a lot of that is being spread. We just experienced Mm -hmm. that five minutes ago on Reddit, but it was reported that one of the roommates had stated they did hear something, they heard fighting, and they locked their doors. Now, it had also been speculated that Zana and Ethan maybe had been arguing that night. And this right. is where the, theor- the theories run wild, because I I'd, honestly, I think if those nine phone calls hadn't been made to JD, right. the theories wouldn't be on fire like they are. Because those nine phone calls in such a short period of time, right, it feels frantic. It mm. feels like I, I need to get a hold of you right now. This right. Day. It's strange. I think that, and I hate to say it like this, people are saying, why would those two roommates be left alive and be able to survive? You have to understand, even if you're a killer, you are literally a human being. Even if you're effed up in the head, you're a human being. So as much fight and anger that you have in you, after mm-hmm. offing Four different people in such a disgusting and tragic way. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot out of you because you know they're not going without a fight. 
Zana, she fought back so hard. That takes a lot of energy out of you. And so you do that to four different people. You don't know if they have the energy to like keep on being like, okay, two more. Like, let's go. Like, this is easy. Like, hello. Well, and it could have been too, that the killer didn't know the full layout of the house. Maybe didn't know that there were two other people in the home. It could have been, I, I had seen somebody kind of compare this, whoever this was to mm-hmm. a Richard Ramirez type where maybe yes. they did go down there and try to open the door. And when it was locked, they were like, no, yeah. I'll take that as my sign to not, because that's what Richard Ramirez used to do. If he couldn't get into your home, he would not murder you. If you left a window or a door unlocked, he took that as his universal sign that uh, he could kill you. And There's that just is so, many so insane. The possibilities are endless. And we do have, there are a few key players that I do want to talk about from yeah. that night that have made people speculate like crazy. And I fully get it. I'm going to, as I said in the beginning, use initials, first of all, for their privacy, because we do not believe in causing any hate or outing anybody outing people when we don't fully know what's going on but these things do need to be discussed first of all there are three jacks and a jake which makes this very confusing so here's what we're gonna do okay jd that is kaylee's ex-boyfriend okay js that is madison's was madison's current boyfriend js2 is the person that, if you don't know yet, many people refer to as hoodie guy from the live surveillance at the grub truck, okay, JS2. And that's who we're going to talk about first. I think so. And the timeline of events, I mean, yeah, it's also weird. It's very weird. So when the girls were at the food truck, uh, there was, you know, surveillance footage. I heard it was like a live stream possibly, but anyhow, yes. it, it was, it was video surveillance of what was going on. I think they and do like a Twitch thing that I think that is what it is. Yeah. But it actually, cool. it caused a lot of confusion because in the video, mm-hmm. the girls are clearly there getting their food. And there is a man there who we now know of as JS2. Mm-hmm. He looked very out of place. To be quite honest, he's kind of standing around looking at the girls, looks like he tries to interact with them a little bit. He's talking to another guy. He looks up and sees the camera and he kind of steps out of frame a little bit and he puts his hoodie hood on and a hat. And then he kind of steps back behind the girls. They're up at the truck getting their food. They're laughing. They're playing around. Looks like maybe Madison's on her phone. And he's kind of lurking behind them, watching them. Right. So the person he was speaking with, the other man that JS2 was speaking with, said that he was, I guess, friends with the girls. He's a neighbor of uh, all of the roommates. And Mm. he was just kind of watching them, making sure that they got a safe ride home. And that that he thought maybe he was going to be the one giving them a ride home. But he's in the back watching them. Um, at one point, they're kind of standing beside each other, Kaylee Madison and JS2. They're standing beside each other, and you hear Madison look at him and say, fuck you, 
whether she was talking to him or just looking in his direction and talking to Kaylee, it's really hard to decipher the context fully, but she, you hear, fuck you. I didn't know that. Yes, you do. It's very clear. She says, fuck you. And then they kind of run off and it does look like they run off the two girls. So Madison and Kaylee, they got their off. They got their food and they take off around the corner. Okay. And this hoodie guy who, in my opinion, he does look out of place. He just does. does. If he didn't, then why did so many people notice him? And Mm -hmm. why is there this theory that he could possibly be involved? Right. So he follows behind them. He kind of looks around. Yep. He looks around a little bit. They leave. He kind of throws his hands up like that. He takes a look and then he kind of follows on in their general direction. Well, the guy who was speaking with him at the grub truck said, I guess JS2 thought he was going to be their ride home. So when they took off, he was like, what the fuck? And kind of followed behind them. And they ended up getting a different ride home. However, for many, many viewers of that video, it looked suspicious because it did look like he was there watching them. And then, of course, when he followed behind them, it did. It looked suspicious. Before I knew anything about him, I remember watching that video the minute it came out. And I was like, mm-hmm. that guy, that's sketchy. I watched it so many times over because they're like hoodie guy. Mm-hmm. And I just kept looking. Hoodie guy, hoodie guy. And, and I saw him immediately. I just kept watching. I'm like, I want to look at each and every individual. Mm-hmm. This is what's so interesting about it. Now, I want to repeat, this is all alleged. We have no concrete proof of any of this, mm-hmm. but it does need to be discussed. It is rumored, strictly rumored at this point, that JS2 lived, or I guess technically maybe still lives, beside the house where the four roommates were murdered they were neighbors right um but it's also been rumored that he was kicked out of his fraternity house for his anger issues um that one of the workers at the bar reported that he was also kicked out of that corner club bar for making women feel uncomfortable there and on his instagram he is pictured he looks like he is a hunter And he is pictured with knives or a knife, very similar to what the police suspect was used in these murders. So it's all just kind of strange, you know, but the guy who was talking with him at the food truck said nothing seemed out of the ordinary. He was a cool guy, super chill. He did not give me any bad vibes. He was just watching the girls to make sure they got home. But then why did they run off? Why did Madison say, fuck you? And why did he follow behind them? He didn't follow behind them like, hey, wait. He looked around to see if anyone was looking. And then then slowly lurked away. At least that's what it appears. I mean, point blank. It's what it looks like. It, It is what it looks like. And we all have to sit here and think, what does it look like? No player in the game is left um innocent until proven guilty everybody's innocent until proven guilty mm-hmm. but this everything is not adding up it's no. not it's too confusing so you know so the, there's a wild theory about js too that maybe he's the one who did this maybe 
he did have anger issues and he was skilled with a knife and he did follow them back to the house, you know, and, and they kind of report him as having incel like behavior, making mm-hmm. women feel uncomfortable, being very angry towards them. Whether or not that's true, who knows? This is all rumors. But here's the thing. If you look at all these serial killers, which I don't want to say whoever killed them is a serial killer, but you look at them, they're very uh, charismatic. Yeah. They they know their part. They don't act their part in public. They just kind of wow people and then go in and do their thing. I mean, look at Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. You know? Very charming. Mm-hmm. Yes. Handsome, charming, a handsome to some, but charming, you know, they have all these wow factors that you think, wow, that could never be them. Right. Not yeah. a chance. And then yeah. you look back and say, what the hell? Mm-hmm. What? What was going on in your head? But the thing is, is that we cannot sit here and say, what was going on in your head? We are not serial killers. That's why we don't think that way. We don't have the same brain. So we really can't sit here and say, what? Wait, there's no way he was thinking that. You don't know how that person thinks. And I say he because, like a lot of the interviews. They're all saying he. Yeah, they keep referring to him as a he, and I kind of did some digging on that. Basically, investigators stated that there's just no way a female would be capable of murdering four people like this. Um, It had to have been a male with some level of strength. Now, Mm -hmm. I personally, I disagree with that. I think it doesn't matter who you are. If you have just blind rage and this was some kind of crime of passion, and you it know absolutely it, could. The it absolutely adrenaline. could be a female. Well, what's so strange, too, about JS2 is apparently after these murders took place, part of his alibi was that around that time, he actually left and went to his parents' cabin five hours away. So that makes no sense. In the sense. middle of the night? In the middle of the night, after being up partying and at this food truck, you're going to leave and drive five hours away? You know, that is, it is, it's suspicious. Why would you leave? I don't know. And maybe it's totally unrelated, but the timing of that and the way that he appears in the video, I can totally see why people are looking at him. But I also. For sure. like I respect the fact, though, that the police cleared him because they did. They said that they do not believe he had anything to do with this. They did clear JS2. They cleared JD, who was Kaylee's on again, off again boyfriend that they called that morning. And they cleared JS, who is Madison's current boyfriend. And sometimes they refer to, to him as fiance. Yeah, sometimes they said Beyonce. And this isn't very clear either, but it's reported that either JD or JS was in Boise at the time of the murders. Mm-hmm. I cannot find anywhere which one it is. It's just people arguing that one of them happened to be in Boise at the time or lived in Boise at the time. Nothing is actually adding up. No, it's not. And then there's another theory I, I kind of wanted to talk about, which is yeah. the serial killer theory 
there was a crime that took place in Seattle, Washington, that is mm-hmm. very similar. I'm not going to name their names either. There was a couple sleeping in their bed in Seattle, Washington, and they were awoken by a masked man who came in and started stabbing them multiple times. The husband, um, he was stabbed, I think I could be wrong, over 20 times. And he did try to fight, but he succumbed to his injuries. The wife, however, she was stabbed 19 times and miraculously she lived. And she just, yeah, she stated that this person came into the house and just started stabbing. Now, Moscow police have stated that they do think that there's a possible connection. They are investigating the connection because the nature of the crimes are very similar. But you never know because every time the Moscow police come out and say something, it just the next day they like come back and say, oh, no, you know what? X, Y, Z. Right. But I do think with all the reports that are going on and all the interviews that are going on with the entire family are just completely screwing up this whole thing. Oh, the family. I can't decide whether or not them saying what they're saying is a good thing or potentially hazardous thing because, well, they're just sometimes it, I, you know, maybe they're saying too much, but I understand that they're very frustrated. They, they really seem to me like they want the public's help. They want help because they don't have answers. Look at Gabby Petito. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why they are saying probably more than they should. Something that was released today was the Kaylee's, I think it was Kaylee's dad, uh, did an interview and stated that the nature of the four murders differed between each victim. Yeah. They were not murdered in the same fashion. He does not elaborate on that, but it kind of makes me wonder if perhaps one of them was stabbed fewer times or but if one of them which they said is a fact was mutilated they took their anger out it could just be an energy thing too i'm sure if you're violently murdering four people by the time you get to the last two you're exhausted Mm -hmm. there's no way you're not and right and then maybe at that point the killer just he couldn't keep up with the energy he had come in with or she, but it also could have been that it's highly speculated that Ethan Orzana woke up and heard mm-hmm. the commotion. And that's why they were not found just sleeping in their beds. They were found in other areas. So perhaps maybe, maybe the girls were the target and Ethan Orzana woke up and then they just became collateral because they were in the way. So maybe they were simply murdered to kill them and it wasn't this passionate attack. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can fully agree with that as well. I mean, there's so many things I think you can agree on when listening to all of the different speculations. We have barely scratched the surface of all of the theories. I think we would be here for hours if we were to talk about each one. So I think we should talk about a few theories of ours i personally have a theory against jd i mean you think he's involved yeah oh because okay the fact that he was called so many times i have an iphone i know you have an android but Mm -hmm. siri if you have siri not to where you have to click the side of it but you could just say 
hey siri and siri picks up on it but what if they said his name multiple times siri started calling it that's why siri oh. called over and over again and then it picked up on the roommate's phone as well and i mean that's that's just a theory well the phone calls i really do believe that that's what kind of derails this whole thing because they got home apparently at 145 and the first phone call to jd was made at 226 so something happened in that 40 minutes between when they got home and they started repeatedly calling him i want to know what happened in those 40 minutes what was going on in those 40 minutes that caused them to want to call him if they did call him on their own accord I kind of thought maybe, now this is wild and this is just a theory. We all have location on our phones. Mm-hmm. They all use Snapchat. Mm-hmm. It's been reported that they all had the GeoSnap on, which what what that does is it shows your location on Snapchat. Because honestly, I do not think JD is involved, but maybe they saw his GeoSnap or his location and saw that he was there. Let's assume Killer was already in the house before they got home. And that's why that's we have no reasonable point of entry at this point. Maybe they saw the location was on, started calling him, and maybe they heard his phone vibrate, or they just kept calling him to try to figure out what they were hearing or try to figure out why he was in that location. Or why his phone was possibly left there, because it was a right. party house, as they said, mm-hmm. as any college student like they are would have a party house i mean they had an amazing house a three-story house you know i mean it was in a populated area too you know right the the phone calls really they freaked me out and another thing that is odd is that at around three in the morning somewhere in there a 911 call was made to sigma chai directly across the street and if that's the case The police were dispatched to Sigma Chi around the time the murders were occurring. Right across the street. Like the girl that I know, she said, the police are out there and not equipped to handle that kind of thing. Well, yeah, they don't see it often. And they said it was the the worst case or the worst uh, crime scene they had ever seen. Traumatizing. What was going on, especially if Xana and Ethan were there? Right. A little bit prior to when... The police Mm -hmm. were called. Yeah, it's reported that they did get there first. So what is your theory? I mean, I think it's very possible that it was a random attack, perhaps. they their, Their house was kind of centered, in my opinion, you had the wooded area mm-hmm. near the house. But you could almost look down into their backyard from the parking garage that, parking that was lot, right yeah. next door. And then they're right across from Sigma Chi. I mean, they look right. like they were in a pretty populated area. Right. You have college kids walking around everywhere. Mm. Maybe they caught somebody's attention. These were beautiful girls. Ethan did not live there. So it 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 was just girls all living in one house. Maybe this person knew their moves, knew where they were going to go on this night. I do believe that the killer was in the house before they got home. Me too. It just doesn't make sense that they can't find a point of entry. It was either someone who knew them or a stranger who 
went into the house because so many of these college students report that they don't lock their doors because it's such a safe campus. I bet they all are now, though. Thank God. Oh, I hope so. I don't know. Uh, I Some reporter was, sta- I think it was Brian Enton, stated that Sigma Chi, that they're still partying. And they've and been told that's to lay like low. Disgusting. That's it's disgusting. It's so weird. But at the same I'm time, I'm like, if they're traumatized, they're just trying to cope. Maybe they'd all rather be together. But actually, like, come on. I wouldn't want to be getting drunk if that just happened to four other students who were drunk and, right. you know, just wandered home to go to sleep. I, I wouldn't. You never know who you're letting in the house at all when you have a party. So, like, I would not be okay with just saying, okay, open doors. Right. Like, we're having a party. Fuck that. No. Actually, like, no. Hard no for me. Well, I will say this. I think it's very odd that JS2 left early, early morning around the time these murders occurred to go drive Mm -hmm. five hours away to his parents' cabin in the woods. I think that that is odd, even though they cleared him, and I know they did, and I I fully respect that. They Um, cleared many of people. I just have to speculate because I think – that is very odd. It could have been mm-hmm. coincidental. However, his appearance at the grub truck, it just doesn't, it doesn't it help matters any, you know, to the public. And I'm no, I'm no internet sleuth or anything like that, but I do look at that with a very logical mind. And I'm like, I didn't mm-hmm. like the behavior. It made me feel a type of way. And then finding out that, you know, potentially he left to go to this cabin is odd. Yeah. I will never get over the nine calls made to JD. That that to me is the most confusing of this entire thing, because that makes me think in those 40 minutes, something was happening. Somebody was in the house. They were hearing something. Maybe there was an altercation. Something was going on because, yes, they found Kaylee and Madison in the bed. That does not mean that they were asleep when they were murdered. That doesn't mean that. They could have just been held against their will on the bed and then murdered. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know anything. So in that 40 minutes, that is the time frame I'm looking at. But 40 minutes from the time they got home to the time they started calling him. Why? Like, it's just so odd because if it was an emergency... Why wouldn't you call 911? And I know right. a lot of people are like, it wasn't unlike Kaylee and Madison to call people in the middle of the night just to say hi. Okay, that's fine. But this wasn't any normal night. So many times, they, too. They were murdered, what, 15 minutes later? I think that period, that 40-minute period is extremely important, and I hope that they're yeah. looking into that. I think something's going to come out soon. I do, too. I think they know who the killer is. Me, too. They want him to let his guard down and think that he or she got away with it. And they're going to be like, all right. That's oh, I'm it sure they're you, watching homie. him. Yeah. If they know who it is, there's constant surveillance. Or if they know who it is and this person has run off, then they're probably just looking for him. It breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we're going to come to a conclusion and I I don't think that it's going to be just an unsolved case. I really don't. No, no, I don't either. Too much DNA. It it looked too sloppy. There's no way that whoever did this didn't leave something 
behind, you know, I know we talked about as much as we could. There are several key players here that we did not discuss. I feel like at, at this point, it would be way too confusing. Uh, we just really wanted to keep it right to the facts and talk yeah. about the most popular uh, theories surrounding this case and the most confusing parts of this case. I think we're going to have to come back for a part two. I know we took a few week long break, you guys, and we appreciate everybody that's been consistently listening and watching. We love you guys so much. I I just want to say thoughts and prayers to the family, families, but I think they're a family now, honestly, if they weren't before. And I just can't believe I would never wish this upon anybody ever in a million years. And I really hope that we can get down to the facts of it and mm-hmm. find out who the cause was, because I could only imagine how the, the neighbors and the other college students feel that yeah. this person is just kind of running loose. Yeah, they're out there living their lives. Hopefully we get a confession. And mm. uh, just for the families, so they can know exactly what happened to their babies. My God. All right, you guys. Um, on this note, we're going to let you go. We love you guys so much. Please um, subscribe to our channel. Like it. And we are on all major platforms. And whatever else you think, leave it in the comments. Mm-hmm. If you have any other theories, tag us, even if it's on tiktok or instagram whatever we can't wait to hear it and we hope to see you guys soon bye